Thank you for listening to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, which means if you've never been to church, walked away from the church, or are struggling to find a church to connect with, you belong here. Before getting into Sunday's message, we have something big coming up that we would love for you to know about. On September 18th, Collective is celebrating its fifth birthday, and we'd love for you to join us. After second service, there'll be a food truck, inflatables, a dunk tank, and a ton more. So mark your calendars and make sure to follow us on social media at My Collective Church to stay in the loop. Now let's get into Sunday's message. Hey, good morning, Collective. How are you guys doing? Yeah. Hey, my name's Curtis. Uh, I love getting to be here hanging out with you guys again today. Thanks for having me. Uh, today, we're continuing on in our Level Up series, and we're talking about the game Tetris. Now, Tetris has kind of an interesting uh, origin story. The game was invented in 1984 by the game designer Alexei Pajitnov. He's a Soviet-Russian game designer, and the whole thing was kind of an accident. He was trying out some new software, uh, and the first playable version came out in June 6th, of 1984. He derived the game, right? He derived the name for the game from the Greek prefix tetra, meaning four, and then combining it with his favorite sport, tennis, so that he could get the name. And so in order to get the name, I, I don't fully understand this, but this is, this is what he did. He was like, I don't want to just call it tetra. I like tennis. So to throw a shout out to my favorite game, I'm going to put the last two letters of tennis on tetra, and we get Tetris. Okay. Thanks, Alexi. But that's where he goes. He got Tetris, and uh, because the, all the blocks have four sides to it. Now, one of the most popular video games in history is Tetris. When you include cell phone downloads for video games, it is the most popular video game, the most played video game of all time. If you don't include cell phone downloads, it is the best paid selling or the best selling downloaded game. Uh, it comes in at number three, right behind Minecraft and Grand Theft Auto. You got like the whole range of video games right there. Like who knew, right? But what that means is that most likely every single one of us sitting in this room this morning has played Tetris at one time or another. Right, and the game is played like this. You start out and you're given an open block of space. And tetraminos, yeah, getting super nerdy now because that's what they call them. Tetraminos, different four-segment puzzle pieces, begin to fall at a certain pace. And what you have to do is move and rotate the pieces as best as you see fit in order to make as many solid lines as possible. And when you create a solid horizontal line across the entire block of space, you score points and the line gets eliminated. When you don't make a solid line, the pieces continue to stack on top of each other, eventually filling up your space. And when that space gets filled up, when you break the top plane, it's called a blockout and the game is over. And so as time goes by, then you create horizontal lines and you score points, the rate at which the pieces fall increases, making the game increasingly difficult. Side note, just for fun, if you ever want to run down the rabbit hole of YouTube, look up the World Tetris Championships, and it is amazing how crazy good these guys are at the game. But here as a, a, a gameplay and a summary of the game in just one sentence is this. You use your blocks 
to make solid lines. That sums up the game of Tetris. Super simple, super easy, which is one of the reasons why it is the most popular downloaded game of all time. Tetris is one of the earliest games that I can remember playing as a kid, and it's not really a game that I loved. It was just always available, like on the school computers and stuff, so when I was supposed to be doing work, I was playing games. You guys did it too. Don't judge me. But you go in and you play, and I was never really any good at the game, and it didn't seem that, it seemed like no matter how much I played, I never got any better. And the reason is, is because I never really implemented a good strategy, right? I, I never, what, I, what would happen is, is I would start the game, and the pieces would begin to fall. When the pieces would begin to fall, I would create that like first horizontal line, and I would have a plan in mind, right? I, I knew what piece I wanted. But it was inevitable, the computer never gave me the piece that I wanted. And so I'd be sitting there and I'd be waiting for like the square block. Come on, give me the square block, give me the square block. And it would inevitably hand off one of those dumb like S or Z pieces, right? Nobody ever wants those. And so instead I'd get mad at the computer for not giving me the piece that I want, kind of throw that piece to the side in hopes that I could get to the piece that I wanted. And it would come as no surprise to you that I never set any high scores when it came to playing the game of Tetris. I mean, it's laughable, really, to think that you could do well in a game that's about fitting pieces together neatly while they throw all kinds of crap at you. It's, it's laughable to think you could do well without a plan. You, probably like Michael, kind of chuckle a little bit when I tell you my strategy for playing Tetris and getting angry that I didn't win. It's like, of course you didn't win. Of course you didn't do well. You didn't think about what was next. Without a plan, you are never going to do well at something like that. So you know what else, to me, feels a lot like Tetris right now? Maybe not you, but to me, filling in my family calendar feels an awful lot like playing an awful game of Tetris. Anybody with me on that one? This is getting, and, and I personally, I think getting to this fall time is the most difficult, right? Because there are a plethora of things to do. You've got the end of summer escapade, see the family, right? Try and relax a little, maybe squeeze in one more weekend vacation. You got to get all the things for school. You got fall sports, gymnastics, dance, if you're my family, and don't forget about church and spending some time with your friends. And things still have to get done around the house. I'm still mowing the weeds in my yard. And definitely need to stay into work, right? I definitely still got to go to work. That's pretty important. Back to school nights, meet the teacher. Oh, and by the way, don't forget to carve out some blocks of time to spend with your significant other. And somewhere in this, we have to sleep, don't we? The calendar time can become very quickly what feels like the world championships of Tetris. The good news is, is that God knew that we would struggle with this and feel the pressure of this long before we knew we would be here talking about this today. And so this morning, I, I want to check out some wisdom that God has for us that he's given to us in his Bible and maybe offer some insights on how to help. Not that we have this figured out, but maybe we can make some changes to where we feel less out of control and in the middle of chaos 
and at least like we're putting things together in order with priorities. So check out this letter that was written by a guy named Paul to a group of Christians who had a plethora of things to distract them. In fact, it's what really makes up the first whole part of his letter uh, to the Ephesians. And eventually in chapter 5, he begins and he says this. He says in Ephesians 5, verse 15, he says, So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools. Okay, we can get behind that, right? Like even if you're not a follower of Jesus in here this morning, that makes sense. There's probably not many people in here who would be like, yeah, you know what? I could take or leave that one, right? He says, don't live like fools, but live like wise people. Be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. And so then he goes on in verse 16. He says this, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. It's easy to get distracted, like the evil days part, but look, what Paul begins drawing our attention to immediately is make the most of every opportunity. Now, I looked up the word every in the original language that the Bible was written in, Greek here, and that word every means every. Every opportunity you're given, Paul says, make the most of it. And so when he's talking to us about, hey, let's live like wise, right, which we can all get behind. Hey, I would like to be considered a wise person. I want to live wisely. I definitely don't want to be considered a fool. Paul says, all right, make the most of every opportunity. And so a question that I have for you this morning is where do you spend your blocks of time? Where do you spend your blocks of time? What I have found in my life is that I, I haven't always taken the time to inventory it. Right? But lately, because the calendar has felt so much like a game of awful Tetris, I've had to kind of sit back and say, hey, wait a minute, what do we got going on here? What's really important? And my guess is, is that you, like me, would probably have like four or five major areas where you spend your time, right? At work, right? At home, right? Then you got time where we need to sleep. That's a big chunk of time. And what we continue to find out with science is that's just more, that's increasingly important that we get good sleep. And then the last one, we're just going to kind of put like a miscellaneous, we're going to call it out and about, right? Maybe you're lucky enough that you have a hobby. Maybe you've got kids, and so you've got kids stuff. My guess is you have friends, church, and I don't need to keep going with that list because you already feel that tension, don't you? You feel the tension of man. Where does the time go? And for me, especially as our kids are getting older, it honestly, it just, it feels like Tetris where the blocks just start falling at an unbelievable rate. And it's like, I don't know how to put them all where to go. And so one of my favorite, um, one of my favorite leadership books right now, and I think relevant in our culture is a, a book that's called uh, Extreme Ownership. It's written by two Navy SEALs, and one of the author, authors in one of the chapters, he offers this piece of advice. He says, in order to be a good leader, you have to prioritize and execute. You've got to be able to prioritize and execute, meaning you have to make the most of every opportunity, and you can't make the most of every opportunity if you don't have priorities, if you're just doing things. 
If you're just doing things, you can't prioritize and execute. Right? This is, this is to not have prioritize, it's kind of like me playing Tetris saying like, that's not the block I want, that's not the block I want, that's not the block I want, and just throwing things to the side rather than having a plan and putting them in place. So it's no wonder, right? It's no wonder that we feel stressed, aimless, with a packed schedule. We are. And we have, or we're busy, and we can't even tell if we're winning at our goals. And so now I think the wisest way to do this is by how Paul talks next in his letter, right? And he closes out with what we're going to look at today in this part in verse 17, where he says, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. I mean, this is just echoing the wisdom that's in extreme ownership. So don't act thoughtlessly. Put thought behind why you do what you do. And Paul steps in and he challenges us. He says, do what God wants you to do. And so Paul says, don't use your time thoughtlessly. What we're going to say this morning, use your blocks wisely. We all have blocks of time. And Paul says, use your blocks wisely. Now, Paul's second part where he says, understand what it is the Lord, what Jesus wants you to do. This is where like some of us, like if you're not a follower of Jesus yet, if you've not jumped all in, do you know what? I'm going to let Jesus call the shots in my life. This is where we begin to buck up against it a little bit. Like, ah, I get needing to have priorities, but I'm not really sure about letting Jesus set them. I understand that, but stay with me because it has been my experience in life that the more that I trust Jesus, the more I'm finding that he knows what he's talking about. And so if you're not a follower of Jesus, and this is the first time you've been to church in a while, or I don't want you to just kind of pass over this without thinking through these things that we're getting ready to talk about together. In fact, I would say that you're well on your way to what we're talking about this morning because you're here. I mean, the reason that you, there is a reason that you are here this morning, and my guess is that having a little bit more peace and joy in regards to your schedule isn't something that you would mind. And Jesus teaches that he came to teach us and to give us a full life, one of peace and joy that wouldn't make sense when you look at the chaos going on around us in the world. And so for the rest of our time this morning, I wanna look at four blocks in our life and just ask, how's it going? And if you're willing to just take kind of an honest assessment of like, you know what? I've not really thought about my priorities in this part of my life. So I just want to ask the question, how are you doing in these areas? How do your priorities stack up? So the first is with your heart, right? There's a time where Jesus is teaching and, and, and a question gets asked of him and he agrees that the best way for us to do what it is that God wants us to do is to love God with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul, and with our strength. That that's the best way for us to live out what it is that God wants us to do. So how are you doing in those areas? What's the priority of your heart? Proverbs 4, 23 says this. It says, guard your heart above all else, for it, your heart, 
determines the course of your life. All right, CT preached on this for us just about seven weeks ago in our Pro Tips series, and it's one of the reasons why that's such a good series for you to go back and listen to. And, and what that challenge is, is, then, is for us to realign our heart to God's heart. And that's a formula for how we should prioritize the blocks of time we spend on our heart. Right, because let's, let's, let's be really real here for a second, right? Life happens fast, right? It, it comes at you. Life comes at you, and it will kick you in the teeth. And the worst part about it is, a lot of times when you do get kicked in the teeth, it comes through people that you love. And you know what happens when that happens? And we're not realigning our heart to God's heart. Our heart grows stone cold. And it's like, no wonder, right? It, it would have to. So are you getting to know the teachings of Jesus? Are you spending time in God's word, reading the Bible? Guys, I, I don't know how else I don't know how else we would do this. Sunday morning is great. It's necessary. It's good. We have to see each other. We have to encourage each other. We've got to talk about the good news of Jesus, that God loved us so much. He sent his son to die on the cross so that we could experience endless second chances. But that, that, that wears off pretty quick. And Monday comes fast, and Tuesday comes fast, and Wednesday comes fast. I mean, if things happen, and if we're not realigning our heart to God's heart by reading stories about Jesus... And taking time to learn and practice forgiveness and putting others first and trusting God with our finances and self-control and patience, if we're not reading that and putting that in regularly, your heart's going to grow cold. And so it is so important to prioritize our blocks of time and spend some time reading. Are you reading the stories about Jesus? And, and, and are you seeing that God isn't out to get you, but he's out to help you? I would challenge you to start by reading the book of Luke. If you're in here, you're like, man, I don't know about Jesus. I, 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 I don't know where to start. I'd start with the book of Luke in your Bible. And I want you to see the love and the patience and the kindness and the goodness that flows out of Jesus' heart. And if you're not a follower of Jesus in here, that starts by saying, you know what? Okay, God, I'll let you, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to let you call the shots. I'm going to get to know you and I'm going to let you and I'm going to be willing to follow what you have to say. And for so many, that begins with baptism. And so if that's you this morning, I want you to check the baptism box on your digital connect card and someone from the team will follow up with you this week about what that looks like. But if you're in this room this morning and you feel like something in you is not right, something has run cold, I'm telling you, letting Jesus start to call the shots and begin to work on your heart, that's where you start. And out of that will begin to flow and come changes that you've been wanting to see. What's the priority with your heart? What's the priority with your soul? Right, that's the second thing we're going to talk about. And I would say that your soul is this, this thing inside of us that needs relationships. 
So what's the, what's the priority with your relationships and the way that you care for and prioritize and spend blocks of time there? A guy named David, who's just a big time hero in, in, in the Bible, he says this in kind of a prayer journal in Psalms 31.9, he says, have mercy on me, Lord, for I am in distress. Tears blur my eyes, my body, and my soul are withering away. And what he's talking about in context there, what he's bringing to God in a prayer is his relationships. He'd lost the relationships that he thought that he had. And so what he's saying is, my relationships are crushing me. And we know this, who you surround yourself with matters. So who do you need to surround yourself with the most? Right? Who do you need to surround yourself with the most? Questions we need to ask. Are you going to personal therapy? If you are married, are you making your marriage a priority? Date nights, connecting regularly about what you have going on in your lives. Making your marriage a priority may mean counseling. And I know that that's time, which we don't have a lot of, and money, but that may be needed in order to have God as a priority of your soul. And to keep running with the Tetris theme, I feel like that so often that's those like S or Z pieces where it's like nobody has time for that, nobody wants those, but when used properly, those suckers can be a game changer. And it's been my experience that that's what counseling's like. What's the priority with your soul? Collectives, right? They're starting up this week. I understand there are a lot of asks for your time, but I want to ask, are you surrounding yourself with good, godly people? Are you praying for good, godly friends? Right, good people are a dime a dozen. You can find them, but godly people, they're the ones who will show up when no one else will. They're the ones who will really know what's going on and stand with you in the storm. And my guess is is that you will find them here, either serving on a Sunday morning team or by getting into a collective. What's the priority with your soul? What's the priority of your relationships? What's the priority when it comes to your mind? All right, Paul, the same guy who wrote to us in Ephesians, he writes another letter to Christians in Rome. It's called the Book of Romans in our Bible. And he says this in Romans 8, verses 5 and 6. He says, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh, right? The flesh is just being like not God, right? That's the way that they would would talk about that. Those who would set their minds on worldly things other than godly things. Those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit set their minds on things of the spirit, on God. Now get this. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. I want to tell you something this morning that is um, a little vulnerable. It's both vulnerable and difficult for me to say. And that is, and it's because this is a personal still struggle for me, you can control what your mind focuses on. And I know what you say to that. No, I can't, Curtis. I would love to not think about X, Y, and Z 90 times a day. And you know why I know you say that? Because I would say that. And I want to say that. 
I want to stand right alongside of you and argue that point. But I finally stopped. And I recognized that there are places in the Bible where God commands us to set our mind on some things and not to set our mind on other things. And if he commands us to do that, then that means we do, we can make a choice on what it is that we focus on because if not, then that makes God a liar and I'm not in that camp. The problem is, I think, at least this is what for me, maybe not for you, this is for, I think we've developed a passive habit of using a block of our time to feed our minds with trash. We take blocks of our time where we are actually able to sit and take a moment and breathe and catch our breath, to sit and relax, and we scroll through our phones. And it's not that doing that is bad, right? Although it's directly linked to higher depression rates and feeling overwhelmed by our to-do list. But when we have a free moment for our mind to sit, we fill it with garbage. We fill it from some of the worst stories and news around us instead of filling it with hope, instead of filling it with the teachings of Jesus. Now, one thing that has been helpful for me, and I tried to ignore it like the plague. I had a buddy of mine who kept encouraging me to download this pause app, which is uh, by a guy named John Eldridge, uh, who wrote several books. Most recently, he wrote a book called Resilient. Back in the day, he wrote a book called Wild at Heart, which is an extremely good book. And what I would challenge you to do is to download this app and use a small block of time, instead of scrolling social media or reading the latest news story, complete a one, three, five, or 10-minute pause, a mindfulness session focused on the words of God from right out of the Bible. And please don't be able, I get the irony of me telling you to watch your screen time and encouraging you to download an app on your phone. The irony is not lost on me. But this has been so helpful for me to use a block of my time more wisely. What's the priority with your strength? Right? And this is just simply, what we're, this is loving God with your body, right? The way that we treat and operate. What is the priority with your strength? 1 Corinthians 6, verses 19 through 20 says this, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. And I think this includes anything that we do. Definitely includes sexually, but includes working well, eating well, watching well, listening well. What does your Spotify playlist look like? What's in your Netflix My List? Resting well? And I get it. Okay, I mean, we, just, we don't have to talk anymore about that. What's the priority? Where are you spending the blocks of your time? This is a lot, right? And I, I don't, I, I know you're saying, like, I don't know how to have, I don't have the time to get all of these accomplished. Get it. Totally agree. But what we can do is prioritize and execute. And one of the things that I want you to notice is when you look at this, a lot of these things overlap. And a lot of it gets accomplished 
by willing, by being willing to carve out a block of time to regularly engage with your Bibles at home, on your own. You're not going to get all of these accomplished out when you walk out of the door today, but we can prioritize. We can do that. It's just going to take some reframing. And in the game of Tetris, uh, if you were anything like me, right, I get mad at the computer for not handing me the block that I wanted when I wanted it right away. You get mad at the computer. I can, my dad has a funny story that he likes to tell where I got in trouble for the first time saying a word you're not supposed to say because I didn't know it wasn't a word you're supposed to say. And I got mad at the computer for giving me an S piece when I didn't want an S piece. So story for another time. But what we want to do is we want to throw the other pieces to the side and we lose and then we get mad at the computer because we were not able to win. And really, the reality is what we should do in Tetris is we should have done something better with the pieces that we were given. But it's so much easier to blame the computer rather than to accept responsibility. And so I want you to hear something. This is one of the things that contribute, would contribute to anxiety for me is when we don't say, when we say that we don't have enough time, we are lying to ourselves and we make ourselves the victim. When we say, I don't have enough time, really what we are saying is, I don't have priorities or this isn't a priority for me. This doesn't fit my priorities. One of those two things is a good thing to say. And so a challenge I want to have for you this morning is to stop saying we need to ban I don't have enough time and replace that phrase with that's not a priority. You know why? Because when we do that, we demonstrate that we are in control. It actually lessens cortisol in your brain. It lessens stress. And you step into responsibility for your schedule. So for one week, going out of here today, one week, I want you to not allow yourself to use the phrase, I don't have enough time, and replace it with, that's not a priority. And I want you to watch how quickly it will help make things crystal clear for what you should spend your time focusing on. Because now... Wednesday, you're going to get home, and your dog tired, and your three-year-old is going to run up to you, and he's going to say, let's wrestle, Daddy, and you're going to have to decide that you either say, you're not a priority, or get down and wrestle with them. Teenagers, when your parents come to you this, later this week, and they're mad that you didn't clean your room the way that you said that you would... Instead of responding with them and getting into an argument, when they ask, why didn't you clean your room? You just say, I'm sorry, mom, dad, I didn't make it a priority. I'll make sure that it gets done. Now, mom and dad are still going to be angry, but I think they might be impressed by your clarity. And maybe it won't even be a fight if you make sure to take a block of time and do what you said you were going to do. If you're a boss, right, or you have coworkers, you're going to have an employee come to you this week, and they're going to say, why didn't you get this to me? You know I can't do anything until you get this done, until I hear back from you. And instead of making up some excuse or saying that you didn't have time, you're going to say, you know what, you're right. I didn't make that a priority. Forgive me. I'll get it done. 
and they're still going to have to figure something out, and they'll probably still be angry, but my guess is that they will walk away a little bit more refreshed because they have longed their entire life to work with somebody who would just be honest. And all of those things are great, right? That's a lot of self-help type stuff, which is awesome, and Jesus gives to us in wisdom. But I want to show you why this matters to God and why it's important as followers of Jesus that we get this right. Because imagine if we get this right. Imagine the relationships that will be healed as we make loving God a priority. Right? As we learn forgiveness and to implement forgiveness the way that God forgives us. Imagine how people we know, live around, and work with will all have their lives changed because they see how good God is because of how generous and kind you're able to live because you spent a block of time prioritizing experiencing God's love. Imagine the marriages that will be healed because you took a block of time to prioritize and pour into your own marriage, or maybe you took a block of time to invest in other people's marriages and help them get better as well. Imagine how the generations of kids' lives that will be changed because say they see that mercy and grace is a real thing because it's been lived out by mom and dad who don't just fight against each other but fight for each other. Imagine how this church, our neighborhood, and even further could be changed because we've learned and we've given a blocks of time to listen to the wisdom and you've gotten your home finances in order so that we could be generous. Imagine the great things that God could do through us when we let his priorities be our priorities, when we decide, you know what? I'm going to use my blocks wisely. See, Tetris isn't won by just letting the blocks fall where they may and just like, oh, it is what it is. And it does no good to complain about not getting the blocks that you want when you want. Tetris is won by taking what is handed to you and making the most of that opportunity. Let's use our blocks wisely. You pray with me. God, we love you. God, thank you for loving us. God, thank you for your wisdom. Um, God, thank you for the blessing of, of time, God, of the hours in the day that we do have. And you promise us that if, if we lack wisdom, we can ask for it and you will give it to us. And so, God, would you give us wisdom when it comes to the priorities of our calendar? God, there is not a shortage of things to do, but there is a shortage of time that we get to operate within. And so, God, would you help us to be wise with that? God, would you help us to set our priorities after your heart so that we could live wisely and as a result of that, have one, a life of peace and hope and joy? We love you, God. And it's in your son's holy and awesome name we pray. Amen.